0: In episode 433 with my darling husband, Nick Broadhurst, we answer all your awesome questions on all things love, relationships, and self-love. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating. And wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Welcome back. Ah,
1: It's great to be here. I love being on this show.
0: I love having you. And... The listeners love having you on the show, which is why you are back for another episode. And today is all about love and relationships, including self love. We're going to be talking about self love as well. And I put a question box on my Instagram stories, and these are all of your relationship and love and self love questions that have come in. So we love doing these episodes together. They are so much fun. And this is a topic, obviously, that we love talking about.
1: Oh, we do. We love it.
0: So let's just dive right on in to the first question. Shall we do it? All
1: right. So best relationship practices. I know that sounds a bit broad, but I definitely think if we can pull up the episode that we did together on relationships, it was really good. That covered so much. In fact, that actual episode just took off, went nuts. Because it was kind of really the most potent things that we've learned. We distilled it into one episode and we've had to learn, well, kind of the hard way really, because we're doing this in relationship with each other and it's not always rainbows and butterflies, which we always talk about. But there have been some things that have moved the needle more than others. And we put those all into that episode and that was...
0: Episode 4049, Habits of Wildly Successful Relationships.
1: There you go. So best relationship practices, darling. What do you think about that?
0: Okay. So I think the first and the biggest one is what I talk about in Open Wide, and that is CCC, crystal clear communication.
1: It's huge.
0: And this just does not go for... Your romantic relationship. This is every single relationship, your relationship with your friends, your family, your children. If everyone just practiced crystal clear communication, there would be so much more harmony in the world.
1: Oh my gosh. And with the CCC comes honesty. You know, I think honesty is something which is actually really lacking. It's almost like being honest is frowned upon. Mm.
0: I'm currently reading The Minimalist's book, Love People Use Things. And there's an incredible chapter on relationships and they have nine keys to successful relationships. And I cannot remember them off the top of my head, but guys, read that and open wide. And that's going to give you lots and lots of practices.
1: What do you think it is about honesty, darling, that is so challenging? Because you can be honest with someone from a, a place of, oh, you feel like you're being honest, but it could be coming from a trigger and you could hurt someone, right? But I still feel like in relationships in general, honesty is something which lacks a lot.
0: But I think you can be honest and deliver something from a place of love and be honest and deliver something from a place of anger and fear. And I think that's a really big distinction we need to make. Are we delivering this from a place of love or are we delivering it from a place of fear? But I think, yeah, honesty is a big part of successful and harmonious relationships as well as crystal clear communication.
1: But the thing is, I feel like with honesty, and I'm harping on about this, because if you communicate with someone that's not in full honesty, it can easily turn into a form of passive aggression. Mm. Rather than just saying how you feel, you can deliver something that is totally passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the more uncomfortable things to have is passive aggressiveness. So I'm just reflecting on this in my own life. and I'm thinking, hmm, okay, where could I be more honest in my friendships and in my relationship with you? And I feel like we're pretty honest with each other.
0: Oh, you and I are? Yeah. I think we definitely are.
1: Yeah, I think I'll probably hold back from friends sometimes.
0: And that's probably fear of rejection, fear of rocking the boat. Rocking the
1: boat, actually.
0: But I think, you know, if we can deliver it from a place of love, then you're speaking your truth and there's nothing wrong with that. We all need to speak our truth.
1: I agree. That's a huge point. So... The next one that we were thinking about was something we've spoken a lot about. And I think it warrants repeating because it is so powerful. And that is what Melissa refers to as nothing good comes from closing. And, you know, we've definitely got faster and faster at pivoting away from being closed towards each other. Like for me, when Melissa's closed, a lot of the time we just haven't made love recently or something. And I just need to just step up as a man and reestablish intimacy. For me, that's generally the fastest way to open Melissa up is intimacy. And that's my remedy in some respects. If I close, I'm never kind of like hurt and closing. But I do go into the cave, which we've spoken about on that episode 403, I think it was, where the masculine likes to just kind of go into his head. 404. 404. Go into his head, which is what John Gray calls the cave in Men are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And then the feminine can easily mistake that for being upset or something. It's like, no, I'm not upset, but I am processing. And while I process, I'm just going to look distant and kind of disappear for a while. So I think for the men listening to this, if you do find yourself kind of going inwards and into your head a bit, you can express that to your partner and say, hey, I'm in the cave right now. And that can also be the same for same-sex relationships as well. If there's two women together, there may be one woman who tends to lean towards more masculine energy and may go into the cave a bit more than the other person. And again, just communicate that really clearly. It comes down to communication.
0: Yeah, so they're probably our favourite ones, CCC. Crystal clear communication, being honest and speaking your truth, remembering that nothing good comes from closing, remembering the cave concept, and definitely read Open Wide and the Minimalist's book, Love, People, Use
1: Things. And Men are from Mars, Women are from Venus, and check out the episode with John Gray. There's been two now. We'll link to that in the show notes for this episode, com forward slash 433. Another great book is The Heart of Love by Dr. John DiMartini, which we both really enjoyed as well.
0: So good. Okay, next question. What is your perspective on who pursues who in dating? This is such a good question. And it's been a while since we've dated, but one of our best friends is currently in the dating pool. So we feel like we're living vicariously through her Mm, at the moment, which is quite fun. What is your perspective on who pursues who in dating?
1: I just think that when there's alignment and interest, that it flows quite naturally and it doesn't need to be overthought. And I think the minute that you're thinking a lot about it you're thinking too much about it you know like what comes naturally do you want to respond and just like hey i'm free this afternoon do you want to go for a walk if that's your truth just say it and i think something we did when we dated there was no second guessing there was no like oh should i message it was just like we just did it it just flowed
0: i think a really big thing you need to remember is don't play games
1: Oh, it's the worst.
0: Don't play games like, oh, I've got to wait two days before I respond. Otherwise, I'll look too eager and desperate. We did not do that. We were messaging each other, both of us, nonstop when we first met and very open and very honest and we spoke our truth. Neither of us wanted to play games and we actually said that. I'm not here to play games.
1: Yeah, at the same time, though, it doesn't mean you can't sit back and take like an hour to craft the perfect message because it's kind of fun sometimes to just... Of
0: course, and get your friends involved.
1: Yeah, like absolutely, you can do that too. But I think more to the point is be yourself. What would you normally do? How would you normally speak? And this is our friend going through this. We actually, you know, she wanted to send a message and there was an exclamation point on the end. I was like, no, don't do an exclamation <laughs> point. Yeah. And she was like, But that's what I would do. And I was like, oh, we'll do it then. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So just be yourself and don't get in your head too much about it and don't play games.
1: Yeah. Just have fun. I think that's the most important thing. Should the masculine do more than the feminine? I'm talking about masculine and feminine energy here, same-sex relationships apply. Should the masculine do more leading? Well, the feminine certainly loves to be led. That is just the nature of the feminine. It's that classic visual of the masculine being the flagpole, the feminine being the flag, and the feminine loving that solid foundation, that center. And when the masculine can step up and lead the way and be the captain, it's often, not always, but often extremely attractive to the feminine. So if you're a man listening to this, then that's my greatest tip is, you know, take the lead. And if if there's a feminine listening to this, enjoy being led. You know, I know we live in these times of equality and can be confusing with all the messages on social media these days, but you can't escape the fact that masculine and feminine is a timeless principle of energy. And there are certain, I guess, rules that tend to apply for those energies. And one of those is the, the, the feminine love's direction. So that's something to think about too.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Next question. How do you know if you should stay in your relationship and work on it and accept your partner for who they truly are or leave? this is such a big question. And let's take domestic violence and physical and emotional abuse off the table here and just talk about...
1: Well, we're talking about a relationship that is functioning healthily. There's no abuse, essentially. exactly. If there's abuse, then that's a whole separate issue.
0: That is an absolute get out of there as quickly as you possibly can and get support. And there's no way that you have to stay in that sort of environment. So I think, is the relationship toxic is a question you need to ask yourself first. And if the answer is yes, then remove yourself from that situation as quickly as you can.
1: Yeah. I remember the time I've been most aggressive in our relationship was when I was going through my keto phase. I was just like so <laughs> deprived of carbohydrates. I was so angry.
0: You were an angry human at that time.
1: Yeah. And it's not like you're like, well, I'm aggressive, so you're going to leave me. I said, well, what? Well, maybe you were. <laughs> <laughs> I know you spent a it few crossed, nights on the couch.
0: It did cross my mind. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so why did you stay?
0: Because I love you so much. And I knew it wasn't your truth. Well, and you I could see I was actually struggling. You were struggling and I knew it was going to pass. I knew, knew you were going through a very dark time. You were very depressed at that time. You had a lot of health issues. I knew you were going through a very challenging time and it wasn't actually personal. That doesn't mean that Someone, let's
1: be clear, I wasn't being abusive. It's you just, just like, I was aggressive. angry. Yeah, yeah was and just you're just
0: aggressive. angry, like all the time. <laughs> yeah. Leo and I call it the angry phase. <laughs> <laughs> we like we joke, we're like, remember when he went through the angry phase? And we're always laughing.
1: I just blame it on the, uh, on the butter. The butter. I was having too much butter in my coffee, I think. The
0: keto phase. But I think asking yourself that question, is it toxic, is a really important thing. And tuning back in with your heart and asking yourself, is this person my soulmate? Is this person my person? And if the answer is yes, then maybe you need to get some counselling or some coaching and work through this challenging time together. There's that saying, the grass is greener where you water it. And I think for relationships, the more love and time and energy that you pour into your relationships, the more they're going to grow and flourish. And if you think about it like a bank account, the more you deposit into that bank account, the more the bank account is going to grow. So the more time and energy and love and support, and compassion, and empathy that you put into your relationship bank account, the more that is going to flourish. And there's a really cool concept that I read about in Love People Use Things by The Minimalists, They talk about that bank account analogy, and they say that for a relationship to flourish, you need two people both depositing into that relationship bank account. If one person is just depositing into it, the relationship isn't going to flow. And so you need both people depositing into that relationship. And of course, there's going to be times, for example, that time we were talking about just before where I was depositing more into that bank account. I was picking up the slack. I was doing a lot more depositing because Nick was going through a really challenging time in his life. But then there's been times like when my best friend passed away, where Nick was then depositing so much more into our relationship account. So it kind of balances out, but what has to happen in those times, there has to be crystal clear communication. And what Nick and I have done in the past, if one of us isn't feeling hundred percent, we will just say to each other, I've got 80% in the tank today or I've got 50% in the tank today. Do you mind picking up a bit of extra slack or do you mind doing this or this? And that crystal clear communication then allows the relationship to continue to move forward. But when there's no communication, one person is left feeling like, what's wrong? Don't they want to be in this relationship? I'm the one that's always depositing. I'm the one that's always showing up. I'm the one that's always organizing things. I'm the one that's always doing X, Y, and Z. And the other person is not showing up. And then we can feel resentful so I think it's really important that we have that crystal clear communication and we remember that analogy of depositing into that relationship account.
1: I'm curious you mentioned soulmate's before. How does someone know if someone is their soulmate? It is unquestionable?
0: Unquestionable full bo- Okay, I am just speaking from my personal experience. And for me meeting you was like a coming home it was a full body alignment. It was unquestionable. There was no hesitation. It was a full body hell yeah. It was like, oh yeah.
1: It was sort of out of body. Mm -hmm. I would explain it because I know the, the time between us dating and the two weeks that passed, and then I proposed in that two week period. I mean, obviously that's very fast under anyone's timeline, but For us at the time, I remember feeling like I was being moved around by like some grand puppet master, you know, like I was floating on some sort of predestined beautiful path. It was just really weird, hard to explain.
0: It's so beautiful. It's like a beautiful coming home and like we had been together many times before, there was also that feeling when we first got together. And I'm just speaking from my experience.
1: That said, I was... 35, you were 27 at the time. And some people may have met their partners when they were 16. It's very different at that age. You're not going to have that level of awareness. So what if someone's been, let's say someone's 32, they're both 32, they've been in relationships. How do you then look at that? Because you're not going to have the same experience, right? How do you know that's your soulmate? still unquestionable. It's I guess.
0: unquestionable. You just got to go within you got to go within and ask yourself, your soul, your higher self knows the answer to that question. And whether you met someone when you were 16 or whether you were 36, whether you met at school or whether you met on a dating app, it doesn't matter. You know your soul knows if that person is your person.
1: Yeah, it's interesting reflecting on different relationships. I had always looked elsewhere. Not like I'd ever I'd never cheated or anything like that.
0: When you were in other relationships, you mean?
1: Yeah, like I'd always just been interested. And like curious. one
0: eye kind of looking around whilst you were still in a relationship.
1: Yeah, I remember there oh, was- Oh, me
0: too. In the, all my past relationships.
1: Well, there was one time I was at dinner and it was my partner and I and a friend and his partner. And I was so attracted to his partner. I wanted to like take her to the bathrooms and just like do something naughty. Whoa. That doesn't happen. Like that never, ever- ever happens. In this relationship, it's not once have I looked sideways. So surely from a practical sense, that's got to be a good sign, right? Definitely. So maybe that's another thing people could use mm. if you've been in there for a while, but you're just super content, attracted to your partner, you don't look elsewhere. I mean, you know, it's, it's totally cool. Like Melissa and I will often say like, I might be like, oh my God, how beautiful is that woman or that girl? Like, We're totally open to expressing that and And there's no insecurity around it.
0: No, and I say the same thing. I'm like, he is so handsome.
1: Yeah, and I don't feel anything. I'm just like, okay, he is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 you're usually like, yeah, he's really, really handsome. (laughs) So that's another good indicator. But coming back to the question, how do you know whether you should stay in a relationship? I think going within is the biggest thing and asking yourself that question.
1: I think as well you can use this visual as a way of seeing how a relationship plays out. I know I've spoken of this before, but it's been a long time since I mentioned it. I call it the rubber band concept. And it's pretty simple, right? So imagine you and your partner are standing back to back and you have a rather giant rubber band around your waist, right? So it's sort of connecting you together, It's one band. And you can kind of feel it, but it's not particularly like tight. It's not uncomfortable. But then one of you decides to, let's say, start meditating. So you start meditating and that means that the direction of your relationship is going a little bit different now. So let's say Jane decides to start meditating. And so she takes sort of one step to the left. And all of a sudden, both of them can feel this rubber band, but it's not super uncomfortable. It's like, oh, things have shifted in this relationship. I can feel it. And John, on the other side, is like, I'm cool. I'm just going to chill where I am. I don't want to meditate and I'm I'm happy where I'm at in life and I don't particularly... Feel like I need to do any personal development or growth. Okay, cool. But Jane's like, no, no, I'm enjoying this path. Like something's awakening in me. I'm going to go deeper. So she takes another step. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, a bit of friction here. And Jane's like, wow, this feels amazing. I feel like I'm awakening to my truth. I'm unlocking my soul's purpose. And she takes another step and another step and another step. And every time she takes a step, this rubber band gets tighter and tighter. All of a sudden it starts to cut into their waists. It's so uncomfortable that you can't ignore it. Every day you can feel that rubber band cutting into your waist. And it gets to a point where you're so far apart, John's still chilling where he is, that there's two things that will happen. One of two things, I should say. John's either going to get completely slingshot up to where Jane is and go on the journey with her, or the rubber band is going to break. And I think that's a nice way of looking at it. And the question sort of was posed in an interesting way because it mentioned accepting or leaving They are your choices. You either accept the way someone is or you leave. Because if you don't accept them but you stay, that is what we call crazy eight. You are asking for pain and punishment.
0: It's suffering. Yeah. And you only have those two choices. You stay and accept wholeheartedly or you change it. That's it. Just two choices. Not 22, just two.
1: This next question is, I think, more common than we would like to admit. How do you develop physical intimacy when growing up with stigma around it, well, can I answer that? Because I feel like that's me.
0: <laughs> Go for it.
1: This is no nothing against the way I was brought up. I was an extremely loving family, the most supportive parents. I can't fault my parents. I'm very, very fortunate with my upbringing. But everyone's got different ways they're brought up. Some families are super affectionate. Some openly talk about sex and intimacy. Some aren't affectionate. Some don't talk about sex. And Sex was not something that was spoken about in my house. And, you know, I grew up in England, so England's got a different sort of relationship with intimacy, I think. And it definitely showed up for me in every relationship. Certainly my relationship with myself when I was younger, like a young teen, I was a bit confused, I think, because I had really developed extremely strong sexual drive at a very young age. And, like, I had girlfriends when I was nine years old. You know, I I was super into girls from a young, young age. And I had no reference point. I had no one to really speak to about it. I could have asked my parents. Of course, they would have spoken to me about it. I just didn't, right? Because it just wasn't really something we spoke about. So there was a confused teenager. And then you get into a relationship and it manifests there as well. So lack of intimacy, lack of affection, more like it. But then an unhealthy relationship with sex. Not knowing how to use that in a relationship, what it's for, what the purpose is. And I was just confused in all my relationships. I didn't really know what I was supposed to do with it, you know? And so for me, it got better every time I broke up with someone (laughs) because I'd learn a new lesson, right? Went through a divorce, learned heaps of lessons, had a good relationship, broke up, learned more lessons, had another relationship, broke up, learned more lessons, had more time on my own, read more books. Went through David Dieter's The Way of the Superior Man, read The Enlightened Sex Manual, read The Multi-Orgasmic Man, all these sorts of books and started going, oh, okay, there's a totally different thing here. But I had to ultimately heal that within myself. And you can do that with great teachers and my teachers just happen to be books more than anything else.
0: And they're, well, essentially they're not free, but you don't have to go and get a therapist or a coach or a counsellor and you can, but some of our greatest mentors have been books, which is really beautiful. And so I think definitely doing your own healing work around that and letting go so that you can open yourself up to intimacy is a really beautiful thing and you'll have to do the emotional releasing work and then also the physical releasing work and maybe that's body work and for women it might be de-armoring, things like that. But the answer to that question is you have to do the internal work yourself.
1: Great episode on Netflix to watch, Love, Sex and Goop because there is a Great series. Yeah, yes, great series. There's quite a bit of, um, is it somatic body work? Is that what it's called? Somatic, yeah which is hands-on body work in that, and it is so powerful. I mean, I I technically kind of did it for you.
0: Yeah. And Jaya, Miss Jaya, who is on Sex, Love & Goop, was on my podcast. I'll link to that episode in the show notes. So good. She is amazing. So I hope that helps. Definitely doing the internal healing work is going to help you unlock those intimacy blocks that you might have.
1: Have our relationships, me and Melissa, have our relationships changed now that we are parents?
0: Is that our relationship or relationship yeah. with friends? So, so has our relationship yeah. changed since we've become parents? Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. We're a lot more understanding and patient with each other.
0: I think we're so much more in love.
1: Yeah, and we're more kind.
0: We're way more kind. We're way more patient. We're way more soft. We're more conscious of every word that comes out of our mouth. I feel like we're better versions of ourselves.
1: It's interesting when I just looked at you and I got really emotional. I started getting like tears welling up, and I was thinking, God, why is that happening? Because I'm really proud of us. Like we've had to move through some stuff, you know, in our relationship, and we've ended up where we are, where I would say our physical intimacy is probably better than ever. Which is supposed to be the opposite. You know, that's what you hear. Oh, you know, when you get married and you have kids and say goodbye to your sex life.
0: Yeah, and we've been together for over eight years now and that seven-year itch that they talk about, and we're like, there's no itch here. There is no itch. <laughs> Definitely no itch. Just we, chafing.
1: <laughs> just chafing no, from... No, we don't have sex that much. Jeez. But um, We
0: did at the start.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> we're still we're still trying to heal our adrenal glands from that.
0: Chronic fatigue.
1: But, um, but I look at where we are at now and, yeah, we're much kinder and we get to share this little soul, Bambi. Like it's so different to the step-parenting we were in before where I have a 15-year-old son who's beautiful, just I couldn't ask for anything more in a son. He's just so divine. But it's so different to then having your own children together. Not more special, just very different. And sharing her with you is... Incredible, because we're just so in love with her.
0: And we're so aligned as parents, which is so beautiful. I can't imagine being in a partnership and trying to raise a child with someone who's not on the same page.
1: But we have our moments, for sure. Like, I feel like in the last week I've been a bit snappy because, you know, coming back to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and one of the core concepts of the men or the masculine being Mr. Fix It, so, always wanting to fix situations and the feminine, the women, mostly the women I'm talking about here, because that's a, what we know is a heterosexual relationship. But the feminine wanting to home improve, like Mrs. Home Improvement. So, always trying to like change and improve the man. And I have felt like in the last week or so, there's been a bit of
0: home improving, bit, a bit
1: of home improving, I'm just kind sorry, of micromanaging babe.
0: me. I'm sorry, babe.
1: And it does ultimately just for me now. I did express it at the beginning, I was like, hey, look, I feel like you're really micromanaging me. Can you just kind of back off a bit?
0: Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Sorry. Oops.
1: But as it, little things kind of happen, because I'm aware of it now, I'm better at communicating, but I've just noticed I've been a bit snappy. And it's because of that. And I could have just said to you again, hey, I still feel like that's happening. But at least we have the awareness now. And I feel like our relationships got better because we've just also had more tools Mm -hmm. And I think that's been one of the major ones is what you learn in Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus.
0: And with all of the coaching and mentoring and all of the books that we've read and open wide and the workshops and everything that we've done over the past eight years.
1: Yeah, but if I have to distill it into what's like, I would say, the the most important lesson, I'd say that's it. The concept of Mars and Venus.
0: Yeah, and... It's if just have, things the fastest. If you have not listened to that episode with John Gray on my podcast, it is the most downloaded episode on the entire show.
1: Yeah, over four hundred longest either.
0: No, so definitely check that out. So yes, our relationship has changed and for the better.
1: Cool, love that question. How do you and your hubby make time for each other since having Bubba? Yeah, well, Melissa over here, she is the queen of the calendar.
0: I am the queen of the calendar. That is for sure, and the way that we make time for each other is we schedule it in our calendar and we know when is our special time. And I obviously, I love time with my husband. I do. I love it. I know some people don't care if they don't get quality time with their partner because maybe they have more of that platonic relationship where they're more roommates, but we're not like that. I love spending time with you. And so scheduling it in. So we know that In the mornings, we get a little bit of time together. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's only 10 minutes, but we take that time in the morning to cuddle and spend some time in bed or even just chat and and sit around drinking our water and chatting. So we have that time and then also at the end of the night, we get into bed and have a little cuddle and a chat. So we kind of bookend our day with connection. And when we do that, I feel like I can blossom and bloom into the day my cup is full. Mm. I can go out into the day with my cup overflowing and then I can also rest well at night feeling full. So if we can kind of bookend our day with some connection and intimacy, I feel really full. And that doesn't mean you have to spend two hours together. Literally, sometimes it's five or 10 minutes.
1: Well, this morning it was brief because I had a late night helping someone with a cryptocurrency emergency.
0: But that's okay because. It's fine
1: because we've had.
0: We've had. Yesterday we got beautiful yeah. time in the morning and we got time in the evening. But if we go like three days without time together, that's when I start to get a bit.
1: Mrs. Home Improvement.
0: Mrs. Home Improvement and a bit frustrated and yeah, just a bit snappy. So. You know, Nick is aware of that and, and we come back to crystal clear communication, which is another way that we make time for each other as we practice crystal clear communication and we say, this is what I need. So Nick knows that for me to feel full, I love bookending my day with connection with him. What about for you?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because you do communicate so well, I'm fully aware of what you actually need. And so I'm also fully aware of when I'm not delivering what you need. It's pretty hard to escape. But it's interesting listening to you say that. I was like, man, I was going to say, yeah, like you're pretty easily pleased.
0: I am so easily pleased. But I think a lot of women are. Yes. I don't know. Well, I don't this, know. This comes I down, am.
1: This comes back to that point system that John Gray spoke about, right? So I can be like, hey, babe, I just did this most amazing trade and we just like made life-changing money. Okay, that's awesome. Here's half a point, right? And then this morning, I think we had – seven minutes.
0: Before Bambi. Before Bambi
1: was due to wake up. Yep. And we chatted and had a little kiss and I swear I got like probably a good twenty points.
0: Yeah. Maybe even. Yeah, yeah, about twenty.
1: But let that be a lesson to any men listening that I mean, I don't want to say that women or the feminine is easy to please at all. I think that's unfair. But I think often we think they're harder to please than what they actually are.
0: And just practice crystal clear communication and ask them what they want and find out what their love language is work out what their love language is. Like quality time and touch for me is, is everything.
1: Yeah. And on that note, I'm always clocking like in the back of my mind, I'm clocking where we're up to like with our own intimacy and love making. So if I, I know straight up, like if we have time one morning, if there's space and I feel like it's been too long, if I leave it and choose to just not instigate that, I know I'm not showing up because I know what your needs are. You've communicated them to me very clearly and our needs are probably a bit different when it comes to intimacy, but I know what yours are. So I think again, communicating to your partner what you need. Like Melissa's just said straight up, I need to make love this many times a week and I'm happy because I'm not hard to please that and some local love chocolate and I'm a happy woman. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> That's all I need. Literally, is all she needs. <laughs> um, and... uh well, our friend Tamson dropped around some local love chocolate drops yesterday, which is a new product. How happy were you to see that?
0: Oh, I mean. How many points? She got about 55 points yeah, I, I, in
1: the friend bank. I could be like, babe, I just made a million bucks today. Cool, babe. Here's a point. <laughs> Here's some chocolate drops.
0: 50 points. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> and let's make love.
1: 100 points. Yeah, making love is the ultimate point generator. So,
0: And I think one of the most beautiful things you can do, and I think Bambi's really brought this out in me a lot is playfulness and lightness and softness and make it
1: fun. I think we're more playful now than we ever have been. 100%. Yeah.
0: So bring that out. You know, it doesn't have to be, relationships don't have to be so serious. Just play.
1: I do feel like sometimes we're viewed a certain way by friends or family or whatever, because they're not in your house. They don't see you. Whereas we have someone who works in the house every day with us, and we're here for like four hours a day, and she gets to see us how we are. And if she was asked, are Nick and Melissa happy? I can definitely say the answer would be 100%.
0: We should get her on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's a vouch for us that we're not full of kaka. No. But I had a moment the other day, I was just standing on our balcony and I was like, know, it's really interesting. I'm just feeling right now the true levels of happiness that we have together. And what a shame that gets questioned sometimes.
0: I don't know what you're talking about. Like people say that we're not happy.
1: No, I just feel like... I feel like the reality of a relationship can be viewed from the outside quite differently because of how that person is being in relation to you, whether you trigger them about something or whatever, and they make up stories about how your relationship is. So I guess I f- sort of feel like some people really don't know truly what we have. Mm. It's hard to explain. It's a feeling. <laughs> You're looking at me very confused. I'm so confused. Well, I'm, I'm trying not to name names and stuff, right? So, okay, okay. But I just feel like we're misunderstood by people.
0: I feel like a lot of people feel misunderstood.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not saying we're special. I think a lot of people are misunderstood, if not everyone.
0: Yeah. I think we all need to remember that everyone's just doing the best that they can.
1: And sometimes the best is like pretty crappy. Like it just, sometimes it's not very fun.
0: And that's okay. You know, we all have those moments and that's okay. We just got to keep moving forward and apologize when we fall over and when we stuff up and move forward. I think that is You know, never underestimate the power of thank you and I'm sorry. Two little words, thank you and I'm sorry. When you need to say thank you, say it. When you need to say I'm sorry, say it. You know, one of my best friends, she thanked me for something that I didn't really need and I didn't expect a thank you. And... She thanked me for this and I was so grateful. I was so grateful. It meant so much to me. So never underestimate the power of those words. And in your relationship, like when Nick takes out the bins, I shouldn't just say nothing. Like why not say, thanks, babe? Well, thanks, babe, for hanging out the washing or well, thanks,
1: babe. Yeah, don't don't have an expectation that, you know, just because we kind of agree that's kind of my role doesn't mean you can't be appreciative of that.
0: Totally. When it happens.
1: Like Hey like Babe, thanks you, for doing all the washing. I really appreciate
0: that. Totally. Like when you make dinner, I make a conscious effort to always say, thank you. This is so delicious. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. So those little things make such a difference.
1: On the flip side of that, this question, how do you let each other know that you need space?
0: Again, we practice crystal clear communication. Nick will say to me, hey, babe, I'm in the cave. That means I need some space. I will say to him, hey, babe, I need you to take Bambi. I need some space. We literally lay it out. We just say it. There's no guessing or tiptoeing. We just say it.
1: We do. But <laughs> before you say it, it's pretty clear. <laughs> I already know it when you need space.
0: Mm. I sometimes, it's hard to yeah. Say. I mean, I appreciate it when you just say you're in the cave. I really appreciate that.
1: That's how I take space, yeah.
0: Exactly. I'm in the
1: cave. Can you just... Leave me alone. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: But you don't even have to say that. Like, have a conversation with your partner and work out little codes. Like, Nick and I have so many codes for different things.
1: We keep forgetting. We're like, if I ever say banana, (laughs) that means. means And And then we're like, like, (laughs) what was that banana again for?
0: If I say pineapple, it means this. And we're like, oh, I, I don't remember what all these codes are. But we do have some codes that we still use and we use a lot and language that we use. And I am in the cave. For Nick, means I need space. And for me, I just say, hey, babe, I really need some space. And he will say, okay, cool. Go to the beach for an hour by yourself. And he will literally make me go to the beach. He's like, go now, right now. So just have codes with your partner and practice crystal clear communication.
1: What is your favorite personality trait about each other or for each other?
0: I love, you are one of the... Most kind people I've ever met. You literally want to help every single person. And sometimes that is
1: backfires. It
0: backfires, like, because you really truly. Nick is the type of person that, yeah, if there's any opening to help someone, he will help them, whether it's a complete stranger on the street or friends or family. He just wants to help, whether it's building businesses, whether it's doing something. In the home, you are so kind and you always want to help and I love that about you. You're incredibly loving, you're incredibly loyal and you wear your heart on your sleeve. They're just some of the things that I absolutely love about you.
1: Oh, that's lovely. Thank you, darling. Yeah, it's nice to be seen, I guess, by your partner and acknowledged because you don't always communicate that to your partner. So it's really nice to hear that. For you, I would say... There's so much about you. I think you're amazing at bringing people together. You are unapologetically you, which is why you're successful. And I think a large part of why you're successful is that you know who you are and you just are yourself. Um, Again, that also can backfire and be taken the wrong way, but your intentions are always pure. And I've seen times where those intentions can be misconstrued, misplaced, and that can be upsetting for you. But I see the truth in you, and that is that your intentions are always good. You wouldn't want to hurt a single soul, um, and you also want to help people, but you're also very generous as well. Apart from that, you're a freaking amazing mother.
0: (laughs) Thank you, babe. You are very generous too, and you're an incredible father and husband as well. So there's so many things that I just love and adore about you.
1: Oh, this next one's fun. What's your favorite body part on each other? Whoa.
0: I, I mean, everything. Yeah. I love everything. Yeah. Probably your face, I guess.
1: Yeah, nice nice one. <laughs> There's no other parts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I know if have a guess, what would I say about you? Ignoring, she's pointing to her chest.
0: <laughs> would you say my boobs? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I'd say your boobs. Especially. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. I'm fortunate that I find every part of my wife's body amazing.
0: Thanks, babe.
1: You're beautiful. Do you believe in manifesting your soulmate through a love list? Can the list be too long? That's such an interesting question. I totally think that's a powerful thing because isn't that just the same as getting clear on what you want and manifesting it? A hundred
0: percent. And I did this before you. I got very clear. I wrote in my journal exactly the type of person I wanted to manifest and it is you to a T. And I visualized it and I meditated on it and it was a really powerful exercise to do. So if you are wanting to call in your life partner, definitely get super clear on everything, your core values, where do you want to be aligned? What are your deal breakers? Everything. And I mean, yes, that list can be too long. Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, they don't have to have brown eyes and... Medium to long hair. I mean, look, like how specific are you going to be, and how long is it?
1: I think it's just really about core values because the physical attraction is either going to be there or it's not. I don't think you need to be too worried about the physical side, but the core values is important. This is a great question because I was having a chat with a friend of ours, and literally just a few days ago, and we were speaking about sex, and we we're speaking about intimacy, we we're speaking about cervical orgasms, actually, and how you know this person felt like she maybe had one but wasn't sure. I was explaining more about it, how it works. And it was super fascinating because all of a sudden it clicked with her. She was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever been met sexually, ever. In fact, I don't think I've ever even realized that was important. And so she said, I need to add that to my list. I want a man who's going to meet me where I'm at sexually and that we can both fulfill each other's desire and take each other deeper. Because ultimately, being in a relationship, it's almost like if you picture a rose, okay, if you imagine a rose and that rose is in its bud form, it's closed. If you imagine a relationship like that slow opening of the flower, it's really, I believe, one of the most important things about a relationship is being curious enough to slowly open up that flower and to discover everything that's inside. And intimacy is an incredibly important part of that. And I probably sound like a broken record because I've said this so many times on the show, but in terms of intimacy, I'm talking about sex specifically. A lot of people will say it's just not important in our relationship and I'm not here to judge. Your relationship is your relationship. But the way I personally view it is that the sex is the glue. It's what holds your relationship together, right? And you've got core values and love, which are the foundation and the bricks. But hearing her say, oh my gosh, I'm going to add sex, being met where I'm at, onto my list. She goes, I think that is my missing piece. I've never even thought of being met sexually. And this is coming from someone in their 40s. And to see them awaken to the realization of the importance of that was just like, oh my gosh, I could see like the light going off in her eyes. It was really beautiful.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah. How... Do I deal with a partner who is depressed?
1: Well, well, you've been there. And I think you've also been depressed at times. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, specifically once when your friend Jess passed away. Mm -hmm. I think that was the time I saw you the most depressed. I don't think we ever classified it as you having depression, but you were in a pretty serious funk, which I think you can call depression.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like we never sat around and said, I'm depressed and, you know.
0: I think there was definitely PTSD.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, for me personally handling that, I was extraordinarily patient and I had to just give a lot of love. But then it actually got to a point where I was like, you know what, I get it, but this is not working for me anymore. I feel like you're now choosing to suffer and I'm out of here for a couple of weeks. And I literally took off and disappeared for like two weeks. And Melissa was like, holy crap.
0: And it did snap me out of it. It did. Because how long was I in that... Funk. Eight months or so? Oh, I thought it was longer.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It was a long time. Well, you were definitely funky for a couple of years.
0: I think it was like two years. I but was... Like the
1: worst period I'd say it was like a good eight months.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then you kind of had to snap me out of it. All right. Okay. Yes, that was a really challenging time. And now
1: it's, it's cool. time to move forward. Yeah, it's time to move forward. And hey, you know what? I love you, but I'm not your punching bag. And I'm a bit bruised and I'm out of here. Mm -hmm. and not that I was leaving her, but I just took off to a different state and had some time on my own. And she was like, oh oh my gosh. And when I came back, she was a different person.
0: And I've also done that to you too. (laughs) (laughs) When you were going through your challenging, angry face.
1: (laughs) My keto phase.
0: Your keto phase. I, yeah, went and took some time as well. And I think When you are dealing with a partner who is depressed, it's big. And holding space for someone to go through that, it's big. It stretches you. And like Nick said, you don't have to be someone's punching bag. So practicing crystal clear communication is really important. And getting some support yourself, I think that's really important. Having someone to talk to. And I definitely did that whilst Nick was going through his challenging time. I had someone that I was confiding in and was supporting me and holding space for me.
1: You also cannot be someone's saviour. You can try, but you'll probably fail because someone who's going through that has to save themselves. And that's tough because you want to help them. And of course, someone going through that period, having someone who loves them as their rock is incredibly supportive, but you also can't save them. So you know, every situation is so different and you have to decide what's right for you in the moment. It's not an easy one by any stretch of the imagination. No, No.
0: but definitely getting some support, even if that is a friend or a therapist, a coach, a mentor, that's really powerful.
1: So the next one is uh, about intimacy post-baby. So how do you maintain connection and intimacy after having a baby? And did we even struggle with intimacy after having Bambi? Two questions. How do you handle that and did we struggle no we had about seven week break i think it was we were just waiting for that kind of all clear from the physio to say hey you know melissa's heeled royal and her pelvic floor is in good shape and you know and we just took it really slow with no expectations it wasn't about having orgasms and it was just about re-engaging in that way together
0: we went to a women's pelvic floor specialist physio and at that seven week mark and she gave us the all clear to make love again. And she basically told us how to do it. She was like, okay, I want Melissa to guide in. This is not about deep penetration. This is very
1: slow and one centimeter at a time, use some coconut oil. So there's no like stress about, am I getting turned on? Or it was just literally about engaging physically Mm -hmm. with no expectation.
0: Yes. So no, we didn't struggle with intimacy at all. And how do we maintain connection and intimacy now that we have a baby? We schedule in time together.
1: We know that between 6.30 and 7 is kind of our time. We're both awake pretty early, Mm -hmm. before 5 a lot of the time. And I like to do a lot of my morning routine. Melissa would do a shorter morning routine and then some work in the mornings. But I like to get heaps of other things done, maybe have a sauna, go for a walk, do some breath work, all sorts of things. But I know 6.30, I'm back and we are having time, whether it's chatting, making love, whatever it is. There's half an hour together. This morning it was shorter because I slept in for various reasons.
0: I think it's really important when it comes to intimacy, practicing crystal clear communication with your partner and saying, ideally, in an ideal world, how many times do you ideally want to make love in a week? And then sharing how many times you want to make love in a week. I think that's really important to just have that clarity so that both of your needs are being met. And you both feel full and satisfied. Right on. So, yeah, I hope that helps. And also, I was going to say, making the time, scheduling it in, and reading Men Are From Mars, again, that book, and listening to my episode with John Gray, is just so important. Very, very important.
1: So next question, darling, is what was the step-by-step process that prepared you for your one? What did you do? Just before meeting each other, how did you prepare for great, real love?
0: I personally did so much internal work. I did so much healing. I did so much letting go, so much reprogramming of old limiting beliefs. Yeah, I did a lot of that, a lot of internal work.
1: Yeah, I can't remember specifically everything I did, but I know a lot of it was a lot of stillness, (laughs) a lot of time sitting in meditation a lot of time doing yoga and the eight limbs of yoga and sitting in just stillness and visualizing and feeling. I think we can overcomplicate this stuff sometimes. If we just sit with ourselves in silence, whether you do a Vedic meditation or yoga or whatever it is, whatever device or tool you need to get you into that state, if you spend enough time there, the answers sort of just reveal themselves in time. So there wasn't like a, a magic bullet other than the fact that I just spent time with myself. But of course, I started getting some practical understanding of relationships through the books I mentioned before, like The Way of the Superior Man, The Enlightened Sex Manual. I didn't know what a cervical orgasm was. I had no idea, right? And I read about it and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I want to serve my partner in that way and have her experiencing literally godliness, you know? So there was those books and I really recommend any women, and men too, but any women, To read open wide, it's extraordinarily good information, super essential information on all this stuff.
0: Thanks, babe. Thank you. And I think just letting go of old stuff, old limiting beliefs, old fears, so that when you do meet your one, you show up present in the moment without any baggage. I think that's really important as well.
1: Okay, so how do you deal with unmet needs in relationships knowing that they are never going to be met That's an interesting one because it's like, yeah, it's big because how do you know? They won't be met.
0: How do you know? How does this person know that her needs will never be met?
1: Do you know what your needs are? Because I feel like we sometimes think we know what our needs are, but the reality is very different. And I say that because our needs, our understanding of our needs shifted once we read, women are from Mars, men are from Venus.
0: Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. That one, yeah, that one. To correct you. Yeah,
1: that would <laughs> that would be interesting though. It did change. Like we had a lot of understanding of this content. Melissa wrote a whole book on this before we'd even read Mars and Venus. But there was the understanding of our needs was so well articulated in that book. All of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, we're doing so much, but we're not meeting each other's needs.
0: And now we say my needs aren't being met. (laughs) I feel like my needs aren't. Oh yeah. I say that. I feel like my needs aren't being met. Do you know what though? Okay. I really struggled with this. I have to be honest because when I was starting on my journey, I had this belief that I could fill myself up and I don't need to rely on anyone else. And a man cannot complete me. And I am full on my own and I don't need anything from anyone else. Yes. And you are in a relationship because that's what we do here in Earth School. We're in partnerships. Well, we're not all, but I've chosen to be in a partnership with Nick in this lifetime. And I have desires and he has desires. You can call them needs, desires, whatever you want. And the reality is, yeah, I want them met. And he has desires and needs that he wants met. And so I really struggled with asking for what I needed in a relationship because of that programming early on. But now, I literally just lay it out for Nick. I'm like, I need X, Y, and Z. And he's like, okay. So he knows. He knows exactly. And I'm very clear about that.
1: Yeah, I think I had to guide you a bit at the beginning with some of these things because you came in with certain beliefs, even just around money. So... Yes,
0: I I had this belief that, no, I don't need a man. I have my own investment properties and I've got my own money and I don't need anyone else.
1: Yeah, which... uh power to the people, man. That's totally true. You don't actually need a man financially.
0: But But I was coming from a place of fear of it being taken away from me.
1: Yeah. And so when we came together, I was like, hey, I think you know, it's been a few months. Let's start talking about merging everything. And you're like, whoa, what? Yeah. I think what's mine is yours. I don't want to be separate. I mean, obviously our relationship was very fast. So- get engaged in two weeks, and then we were getting married five and a half months later. Like it's a bit of an accelerator. We've got to have these conversations quicker than most people. But we basically committed to merging everything once we were married, which was the five and a half month mark. And that was really uncomfortable for Melissa, really uncomfortable. But ultimately, once you move beyond that, you've never given it a second thought.
0: No, and I think it was an upgrade for me you reach that ceiling and then you have to bust through the next one and then the next one and then the next one and you're always growing and evolving. And that was a big stretch for me, but I busted through it.
1: Everyone's different, each to their own. But for us personally, we found that by merging and being essentially united when it came to our assets and our finances, we're more powerful together. Okay, moving on. So words of comfort for someone going through a breakup.
0: So I did a podcast on grief, how to deal with grief from heartbreaks or loss. And I've got a blog post on it and I'll link to both of those in the show notes for you. I think when it comes to anyone going through a breakup, I mean, when my girlfriends have gone through breakups, the things that have worked for them is just telling them how much I love them and how much I'm here for them and support them. And raw vegan chocolate is always a really great idea. But I think, you know, just Sharing with them how much you love them, how much you support them, you're here for them. And also asking them, you know, how can I show up for you? Would you like me to check in? Would you like to catch up? You know, do you want some space? Just practicing that clear communication and asking them what they need and giving that to them.
1: Which is great advice from you're witnessing someone, but what if you're the person who's going through the breakup? And for me, reflecting on that, I just think please never forget how freaking awesome you are. I think that's the most important thing because often when you go through a breakup, it can really rock your self-worth, really can shake you up. Why didn't this person love me or why didn't this work? Am I not good enough? What's wrong with me? And it's not always that. Sometimes it's like a really conscious choice to leave someone and empowering, but often it's not empowering. Please don't forget that you are freaking awesome. So what do you have to do in your life to remind yourself how freaking good you are, how awesome you are? and do more of those things.
0: Mm, absolutely. Another question I wanted to answer before we move on to the self-love section, what do you do when you're in love, but they keep hurting you and you're too in love to leave?
1: Well, you know, it comes down to how are they hurting you? Because that to me just sounds mm, toxic, dangerous.
0: Mm, very toxic, very unhealthy.
1: So for example, one of the most common things is infidelity. They keep having affairs, or whatever it is, if someone is repeatedly hurting you, ask yourself, how would you rate your own level of self-worth right now? Because if your self-worth is high, you do not allow people to repeatedly hurt you, right? So I think you need to then, don't look at the partner, look at yourself, first of all. And if that person's crossing certain boundaries that are not acceptable to you, when they do this, when you dial up that worthyometer, as Melissa would say, you might be like, oh my gosh, I, yes, I love this person, but I'm so much better than this. I'm worth more than this. I'm out of here. And it becomes very clear that it's time to leave or it's time to seek counseling or it's time to do something. But to just let them keep hurting you is madness. Mm. It's like, what does Einstein say?
0: Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result.
1: And that's what that is. That's complete insanity. And I feel for you, whoever that is asking that question, but I think it's time to really look at how do you feel about yourself first.
0: And something we haven't spoken about is setting healthy boundaries. There is nothing wrong with setting healthy boundaries in all of your relationships. Like Nick knows there is things that I just won't stand for. And I know for him, there is things that he is staunchly against and won't stand for as well. And I respect that about him. He has boundaries. What's an example? Oh, cheating for sure. Like that is, is, there's, you know.
1: Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I wake up tomorrow and you come in for our 6.30 little cuddle and you say, I have something to tell you. I ate all the chocolate last night. No, (laughs) I have something to tell you.
0: That's happened. Yeah,
1: (laughs) usually by me. Yeah, it's not me. (laughs) If it's loco love, it's me. But I have been seeing someone. I was attracted to them and last night I, when I was, I don't know, I told you I was here, I was actually over there and I slept with them. Now, of course, it would be very painful and that's very, that's okay. <laughs> like it doesn't matter how good your self-worth is, that will hurt because it's betrayal. It's a betrayal of trust and it will hurt. It doesn't matter how freaking enlightened you are. Buddha would be hurt by that, right? Because trust is something that takes time to build. But then in time... I would have to sit back and I've been through infidelity myself, so I know this. The one who has not been doing the infidelity. But has been on
0: the receiving end.
1: Yeah. I'd have to sit back and go, okay, what's my role in this? And sometimes, you know what? It's not always, like it definitely takes two to tango for sure. But I know when I've experienced infidelity, I was still a very good partner and I wasn't deserving of that. I really was not deserving of that. And it took me a while to realize that. Because I kept looking for but I must have not been doing this. And yeah, I could have done things totally differently. I didn't understand what her needs were, blah, blah, blah. I get all that. I wasn't showing up sexually and, you know, yet that's still not okay. Right? And that obviously ended that relationship. If it was knowing what I know about us, on the very, very rare chance that would happen with us. But if it did, I would be absolutely looking to work through that with you. It's not an automatic, see you later. I know you're mentioning boundaries. Of course, it's a boundary. Like, I don't want you to go and have an affair, right? But I would absolutely work through it because I know what we have and it would mean that something was off and I'd want to identify what that was and fix that and rebuild that trust. Now, if it had been happening for three years, it would mean that what I thought we have is not real. So you have to put it in perspective. But this is very real for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I want you to work out what are your boundaries. What are you okay with? What are you not okay with? Even just in the bedroom, anger, aggression, like those sorts of things. Like what are your boundaries in your intimate relationship?
1: And so tomorrow morning, Melissa, at our 6.30 little rendezvous, rendezvous, I come in and I say, darling, you know I said last night I was fixing a crypto emergency. I was actually with Jessica Alba. She was in town. <laughs> I've always wanted to have sex <laughs> with her, to be honest, and I did. Yeah? What do you do?
0: I don't know. Maybe
1: not just but I yeah. had feelings for someone <laughs> and I acted on it last night. Oh, I mean. It's I, hard to.
0: Yeah, it's really hard to.
1: Put yourself in that position.
0: Definitely. But I go through in Open Wide, I talk about. Setting healthy boundaries, and I think it's a really important thing to do—not just for your romantic relationship, but for your friendships and all of your relationships. So,
1: so you're not committing anything. You're not going to say you'll work through it with me, or he just like he <laughs> just glossed over that one. darling.
0: It's a hard cut out of my life now.
1: <laughs> well, you've always said to me that's you draw a line at infidelity. Mm-hmm. You've always said that. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, but I
0: don't know. I've not. I've also not been in that situation with you, so I don't know. But
1: It's not in my makeup. I can never. It's just not in my makeup. I will never say never. Life is long, but it's not in my makeup. But if I did, would you work through it?
0: Don't know. I don't know. (laughs) How am I to know, darling? Like, it depends. Would you like Bambi to
1: have a separate, his father living separately? Absolutely not. Right. So you'd probably.
0: Yeah, but I mean, like, it depends. Like, was it with my best friend?
1: Like, was it? You know, some pretty attractive best friends. I do. Unfortunately for me, I'm not attracted to them. That's probably quite fortunate, (laughs) because they're my sisters. I love them.
0: (laughs) They're your soulies, your soul sisters. Um. Anyway, bit of a tangent there, but bit of a tangent. Fun. I wanted to talk about boundaries and setting them, and I think it's really healthy that you set healthy boundaries for yourself with all of your relationships. It's not something to think is a negative thing or is too harsh. It's very essential for harmonious relationships.
1: Nice one. What does living a successful life mean to you both? I love this question because today we did a webinar actually on cryptocurrency, something I'm extremely passionate about and Melissa is coming more and more passionate about as she has seen the way it has impacted our life, but also the life of many, many people that we've introduced to it. I think what I love about crypto, for example, is that when you use it the right way, you develop sovereignty, financial sovereignty, which gives you choices. So I think if I have to answer this question, what does a successful life mean? It's choices, it's freedom. And I know that's a very common answer you'll hear. I think it's common for a reason because ultimately what do we want? We want the freedom to do the things that we wanna do, right? And not to be restricted because our bank balance doesn't have enough zeros in it. I'm not saying that money necessarily brings you happiness. It's not that, but it does bring you a lot of choices. But you just, you may need a lot less than what you think. And one person I would love for Melissa to get on this podcast is Mr. Money Moustache. He was on Tim Ferriss's podcast, someone I followed way, way, way before he was massively famous. And he really teaches that you need so much less than what you think you need. And he teaches people how to really like retire by the time they're like 35 or something. And that goes hand in hand with the minimalists stuff, darling, which you have an episode with the minimalists. But for me, it comes down to choices. What about you, darling?
0: What does living a successful life mean?
1: And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just, the thing about choices is that choices leads to so many other things.
0: Mm.
1: You know, yes, success is happiness, but choices can bring you so much happiness as well.
0: And freedom. What does living a successful life mean for me? Definitely choices. Freedom. Yeah, those are the two things that come to me straight away.
1: It's hard to because everything else is personal, individual. Mm-hmm. But those things ultimately are the foundation of success, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're sitting there thinking, hmm, do I have freedom? Can I make whatever choices I want when I want? If the answer is no, well, that's cool. But what do you have to do to get to that place? You know, really, really important question to ask yourself. Should we shift gears, darling, to self love?
0: Yeah. Let's talk about self-love.
1: So important. The first question, how to ensure you honor your individuality and not become one person? Obviously we're talking about in a relationship. That's interesting.
0: That's a really good question because I know a lot of women who lose themselves. This is their words. They lose themselves when they get in a relationship, they become one and they lose themselves and it's all about their partner. So this is a really interesting question.
1: Okay. So John DiMartini who you've had on the show a couple of times, I think, and's coming back on soon. John speaks about, in The Heart of Love, how when two people come together, if both those people are looking to have a part of them filled by the other person, they will present themselves in a way that's not totally authentic, right? The, I think the key thing was, when Melissa and I came together, we really, for the first time in our lives, felt somewhat full and complete within ourselves. And not a day earlier. Like I literally had never felt like that. So I did not have my act together for a long time at all. It was a pathway to a moment in time. And that moment led me to Melissa. And the reason we were able and have been able to maintain our individuality, even though people say we look like each other, is because we came together two pretty whole and complete people. Not perfect by any means. We come in with stuff and you have to work through it. But in terms of knowing who we were and not wanting to fill holes and gaps in the relationship we did a pretty good job of that whereas in previous relationships i was absolutely looking to fill a void within myself with that person and then boom there goes your individuality because you're now reliant on that person to cover up that part of yourself that you are perhaps not willing to look at and there goes your individuality
0: I think it's also really important that when you get into a relationship, yes, it's so exciting and you want to spend every second with that person and- hey, do it. Yeah, absolutely. And make sure that you still date your friends, you still have your own self-care routines and you still have time alone. I think that's very important. You still date your friends because your friends are everything as well as this new person that you're dating. And you still have your self-care routines and you have that time for yourself. I think that's really important. And that's a way to honor your individuality and to not lose yourself in the relationship and feel like you are becoming one. And I think after over eight years, we still have time on our own. We still have our practices, our self-care rituals and routines that we do that fill us up individually. And we spend time with our friends individually. Yes, we do a lot together. We both work from home. We do a lot together and I I love that. I wouldn't have it any other way.
1: And we're also very fortunate that we've built that life because that's not the reality for the majority of people, let's face it. Yeah. We're very lucky. Not lucky. We're fortunate to have that.
0: Yeah. And we've created that. And I think having time with your friends separately is really important. And we've done that more so now, I think, since having Bambi and I will stay home and you'll go do something with your friends and then we swap and- That's been really beautiful that we have that time with our friends because we spend so much time together, which I love.
1: Well, one thing I do when I I surf and I do things like that, which I've been doing for years and I work out and do saunas and hyperbaric chambers and all my funky things that I like to do. But I have developed a passion in the last sort of six months or more for rock climbing outdoors. While most people think I'm crazy, it's actually...
0: Tell them that you are qualified. (laughs) Yeah, I,
1: I got accredited and so did Leo both accredited at a certain level of rock climbing so we can take people with us. And I've found something that really brings me a lot of joy and a lot of presence. I do it on a day where usually Melissa and I would have time together, which is Saturday. I tend to do it Saturdays. But Melissa can see how important it is to me and I get pretty antsy if I don't do it. Because, it you know, I'm super present when I'm climbing and I just love being in nature and I love feeling strong and nimble and all those things and having, like, it's not about adrenaline. I don't get adrenaline from it at all, actually. It's about presence. So we have things that we love to do and we On honor that. Yeah. We honor that for each other. Which really is really important. It's
0: really important and allow that person to do that thing and not play tit for tat. Like, oh, well you did this. So now it's my turn to do this. Like, We've spoken about that tit-for-tat game many times and it does not serve anyone. So just allow your partner to do those things that they love and you get your time to do those things as well.
1: Darling, biggest lesson that you have learned this year?
0: <sighs>
1: hmm. That's a big question.
0: I've learned so much this year because I became a mum this year, which is Just the best ever. The best. What have I learned? So many things. I think one of the biggest things is the power of presence and how important it is to be present. The reminder that the present moment is all we truly have and to come back to that. I've just been so reminded of that, especially since having Bambi.
1: I didn't know what my answer was and then it just came to me. Moderation.
0: That's interesting. Elaborate.
1: <laughs> I think.
0: You're talking about your Loco Love moderation?
1: No, I don't moderate that.
0: <laughs> <Nah>.
1: <laughs> if you're wondering what Loco Love is, it's actually our friend Emika. It's her chocolate company and her, It's a raw, her husband.
0: vegan, organic, delicious, the best adaptogenic chocolate ever.
1: It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like,
0: it's so good.
1: Let's just not even try to attempt to put it into words. you, I think it is. <laughs> we'll link to it in the show notes. But. Moderation. I was reading this, not the whole book, but there was this book at my friend's house, James, James Colhoun, who I've spoken about before. And he's was, been on
0: the podcast. He
1: has. And it was about, I can't quite remember the name of the book. It was The Yogic Path of Discipline, something like that. And I actually am a big believer in discipline because if I stay disciplined, I'm just a better person all around. When I'm not disciplined, I just get a bit funky. But I read the section in there about food, it was interesting, and this yogi said, the best diet is moderation. And I'm not saying you can go and have macas and Pizza Hut, no, 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 I'm talking about, okay, have your local loves, but, and even though they're good for you, you know, you don't have to have seven in one sitting like I did recently. That's not moderation. I'm not going to feel good at the end of that, no matter how good they are, right? And I think moderation can extend to so much of our lives. What are we doing in our lives to excess? If you put on your extreme glasses and you look at life through that lens, you go, what am I doing right now that could be viewed as extreme, right? So let's say, for example, you know, one thing I've been working on for years is mold. I got really badly poisoned with mold years ago. Still cleaning up bits and pieces of that. Now, if I sit there and I go, I'm going to go after the mold. I'm going to kill it, right? The reason that's extreme is because If I'm going after one thing, I'm going to create imbalance somewhere else in my body. And I think you can use that sort of analogy in so many areas of your life. Like, where are you doing something too extreme? That's what I mean when I say moderation. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I like that. It's a goodie.
1: In Buddhist terms, the middle path.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay, how do you dive into your feminine in a daily basis? And then there's another question That is similar to this. How do you pull back into your feminine when you are so used to being in your masculine? So, let me answer the first question What do I do to dive into my feminine on a daily basis? There are so many things that I do that help me tap into that feminine energy. Things like dancing, having an Epsom salt goddess bath, the clothing that I choose to wear helps me feel more feminine, the way that I do my hair, being in nature makes me feel feminine, swimming in the ocean, meditation, chanting, yoga, movement, all of those things make me feel feminine and help me each day to tap into that feminine energy. And even mothering, mothering for me is very feminine and puts me right into that feminine energy. And I want to encourage everyone listening to write down 10 things that make you feel feminine. It could be a particular lipstick. It could be a particular skirt. And whenever you feel like you're out of balance and too much in your masculine, do something from that list. That's how you rebalance and come back to the middle or if you want to be more in your feminine, you can, yeah, do a few more of those things from your list.
1: I feel like you're missing a big one. Am I? Hmm.
0: Oh, lovemaking. Yeah. Yeah, of course.
1: And it can be on your own Yeah. as well.
0: Of course.
1: Super important.
0: That makes me feel very feminine, mm. 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: it's like turbocharged Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a good question because women have been asked to step into a more masculine energy on a daily basis, the way that the world has been set up and it's changing, but it's important to come back and to, I guess, honour the feminine in you and not look at it as there's a lot of sort of equal rights, feminism, et cetera, et cetera, right? I get it, but the energy still exists within you. And it's important to honor that and should never be viewed as a weakness, ever, because no. it's actually your power. Definitely. Okay. So, next question tips for becoming the best version of yourself. It's obviously quite a broad question. If I had to answer it, I'm going to keep it really simple. I'm going to say, meditate <laughs> twice a day, every day.
0: Definitely. I am going to second that. I feel like the best version of myself when I am meditating. And when I do my other self-love, self-care practices also help me feel like the best version of myself. And yeah, the chanting and the journaling and the reading and going to bed early and meditating and doing yoga, all of those things help me show up as the best version of myself and help me feel like the best version of me. And I also know what doesn't make me feel like the best version of myself. I know what doesn't. Make me feel like that. Scrolling social media doesn't make me feel like the best version of myself. Spending lots of time on my phone and computer—you've
1: been great at this lately, though. You've really scaled back.
0: Oh yeah, um, because I have no choice, which is great.
1: No, you scaled back as a mum. Like you were doing more a month ago than you are today.
0: True, that's very like true. You've made
1: a conscious choice to limit yourself to fifteen minutes
0: of social media. Yeah. No, it's thirty minutes. I put a timer on my. I've got. That limited app, thing, yeah. yeah. But I,
1: when you run a business that's so dependent upon social media as well—not dependent, but it's a huge part of it—not a lot of time. But you've made the choice. Oh well, well, it'll be what it'll be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not important enough.
0: Yeah, I don't want it to take me away from my time with her. So I know what doesn't make me feel like the best version. Also, things like negativity, gossip being inside all day, being on my computer or my phone all day, all of those things don't make me feel like the best version. So I think work out what makes you feel like the best version of yourself and then also work out what takes you away from that.
1: That question before about biggest lesson this year, I, I want to add in the negativity because it's just, I don't know, I find it easy to slip into that. A little bit gossipy, but a bit, a little bit negative sometimes. It's not horrible stuff, but it's not high level either high grade
0: it's not supportive
1: i'm not growing when i say something that i think kind of funny but it's actually kind of negative Mm. it's never super hurtful or anything so that's been a conscious decision melissa and i've made to call each other out on that and i was wearing like a bracelet
0: a negativity band we call it
1: to remind myself and i just thought you know what i don't need this freaking bracelet it's uncomfortable it hurts (laughs) i'm just gonna do it and it's been so much better. Being super aware of that.
0: You could do this with your kids as well. All put an elastic band around your wrist. And what you want to do is try and get 21 days without saying anything negative or swapping to the other wrist. So all start with it on the right wrist. And every time you say something negative, you have to swap it to the other side. And you want to try and get through 21 days without moving that off that wrist.
1: Okay. So who or what is inspiring you at the moment, darling?
0: You inspire me every single day. thanks, babe. You do. You are so kind, you are so generous. You inspire me to be more kind and more generous. You're very creative. You also inspire me with your creativity and your intelligence. You inspire me with your intelligence and your ability to learn French so frickin' quick. We're both learning French at the moment, by the way. And Nick just picks it up because he has that musical ear. He picks it up so quickly, and I'm like still struggling on the basic words.
1: Voulez-vous parler français avec moi?
0: Mm, he's so good. And he said and his accent is so good. It's amazing. Anyway, so that inspires me. And also Bambi inspires me so much. She makes me <laughs> wanna. Oh, she is the best. best. She just makes me want to be the best version of myself. She makes me want to be better oh, more yeah. all the time. Yeah. So you and Bambi are definitely inspiring me at the moment.
1: I agree with that. Totally. I was gonna say about the generous thing you mentioned before. It's kind of something I need to look at because Right now I'm in this sort of phase where I feel like pulling back on that, not giving as much. I know it's appreciated, but sometimes it does kind of backfire.
0: I think that is just been lack of communication. And if it was in person, it wouldn't.
1: Yeah, but I think it's okay to just kind of pull back sometimes. I know that's kind of closing, but also that's a boundary.
0: Exactly. It's a boundary.
1: So that was a separate question, but um, inspiring me, who or what, I'd have to say my next album.
0: Oh, it's so good, guys. Your next album is beautiful.
1: Taking so long. I'm so sorry. That's okay. But, you know, we live in COVID times and I just, I'm doing everything via FaceTime and Zoom. So it just takes longer, but I'm really, really proud of the songwriting. I'm really inspired by that album. Really inspired. I sometimes hear it and I'm like, whoa, holy moly. Do I get to release that? That's so exciting. So that's fun. What is helping you achieve peace and calmness right now? Peace and calmness. Well, I mentioned rock climbing. That brings me a lot of calm and peace. It's and you're surfing? Explain. Always surfing. Just doing all the things I love, like getting to the sauna, my kettlebell training I'm doing, which I'm really, really enjoying. Much more balanced. I'm not working on aesthetics. I'm just developing this strong, supple body that will look like whatever it's going to look like. You know, I've accepted that within myself and I want to live a long, happy, healthy, mobile, vigorous lifestyle. So I'm training differently for that. I think it's always the same things. I mean, my children bring me so much of that. Mm -hmm. Knowing they're okay and knowing they're happy brings me a lot of peace and good food. (laughs)
0: Loco loves.
1: (laughs) Man, this is like the mass. They should just call this show the Loco Love episode.
0: I know, I know. (laughs) And for me, definitely meditation, taking time off social media and away from my computer and my phone since having Bambi she has two sleeps a day. And so they are the only two opportunities for me to be on my phone and computer because when she is awake, I am not on those things. And so having time off those is really lovely and time in nature, getting to bed early, having white space in my calendar. Oh my gosh, that brings me so much peace. For Nick, this is where Nick and I are very different. If his calendar was completely jam packed, it would not affect him. Where, yeah, just ignore it. Yeah. Where, like, where (laughs) if my calendar is completely jam packed, seriously, I feel anxious and overwhelmed. So lots of white space in my calendar, yoga, all of my self care rituals, chanting, goddess baths, like reading, all of these things bring me so much inner peace and calmness.
1: Mm. Best success boosting mindset exercise to bring oneself out of being mediocre or stuck. Now, I'm going to give a couple of tools I think could be really helpful for this, because sometimes mindset is quite hard to shift consciously, if that makes sense. So I would highly recommend looking at a couple of apps. One is called Grace Space, which is a hypnosis app. I think hypnosis is really fascinating for shifting mindsets, because it really shifted mine when I needed it. And the other one is the Tapping Solution by Nick Ortner. And I think tapping is another fascinating way to shift your mindset if you do it consistently enough. And that app has so many different things. Like you can just search in the app, whatever you're feeling, and there tends to be like a tapping for it, which is super cool. So check out the tapping solution. Have you had Nick Ortner on the show, darling?
0: Yes, I have.
1: We'll link to Nick Ortner's episode on tapping in the show notes at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 433. What do you say about that, darling? Because we always say meditation, but I, I think was going think- to
0: say using a mantra, mantras, boosting your mindset exercise. I was going to say using mantras. That is one of the best ways that I have been able to quickly shift my mindset from being stuck, is using a mantra and definitely tapping. But yeah, mantras, you know, I am enough, I am worthy, depending on what you are wanting to move through at that time.
1: You have an episode, I'm not too sure if it will be out by now, but the episode with the author of The Buddha in Your Mirror. Will that be out by now? Next week. Oh, cool. So next week, check out the episode 434, which is on Buddhism and really fascinating story how we came across these guys. But in that episode, there is a mantra which goes like this. (coughs) nam Yo renge kyo nam Yo renge kyo nam Yo renge kyo Without the voice break in the middle. That's like... I'm still going through puberty. (laughs) You'll learn about that mantra. Guys, do not miss that episode. Share it with people. It's freaking awesome, speaking of mantras. And now at the last question of the day, how can you trust someone and become vulnerable if you got hurt doing that previously? Interesting. So there's a wound.
0: There's a wound. We've got to heal that wound first. And remember that vulnerability connects us. So we need that vulnerability in order to have deep, harmonious, fulfilling relationships but we've got to heal that wound first. So you've got to do that inner healing work and then open yourself back up to being vulnerable and opening your heart and trusting again.
1: It's often easy to say that, but how do you do it? So if you're talking about healing the wound, I was just reflecting on that when you were talking and I was thinking, okay, you're carrying something with you. How do you move beyond it? Well, if you're sitting in stillness and you're experiencing that state of beingness, which is you beyond your mind, which reminds you every day of your truth, your essence, which is just pure love, your self-worth increases, right? If your self-worth continues to increase, just get to a point, if you're consistent enough with it, where it's so full, that cup is so full of beingness, that you don't consciously have to address the hurt. It will dissolve because you know your truth, which is love and full worthiness. Is that possible? I feel like that's a path.
0: Definitely. Definitely coming back to your truth, coming back to your center. Definitely.
1: Because we can overcomplicate this. You get counseling, you can do a lot of stuff. But what if we just sat in meditation twice a day for 20 minutes? Like, really sat there. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I meditate once a day, not twice. And my one session, at the moment. At the moment. And my one session, I did twice. I've been doing it since 2008, but I did twice for so long. But at the moment, my one session, man, I'm not really getting to that state of beingness at all. It's quite frustrating. I'm trying not to judge my meditations. But one of the great things about picking up a Vedic meditation practice, you can learn it for free you know, using the app One Giant Mind or you can go to a Vedic meditation teacher and get your own mantra or a Transcendental meditation teacher and get your own mantra. But one of the best things about being a beginner of that is that the first few years, man, they're just like so good. They're so deep. There's so much fatigue and stuff coming out. You just drop in.
0: It's delicious.
1: And I just don't get the deliciousness as much anymore. But we, it's,
0: it's more subtle.
1: It's more subtle, but...
0: It's still so powerful
1: and transformational. How good is it, though, when you first start?
0: Uh, Oh, so good. I still feel like that.
1: We used to meditate next to each other when we first met, when we were having sex seven times a day and not going to sleep and giving each other adrenal fatigue. And we were so exhausted. We meditate together. And when, like, the 20 minutes was up, we just, like, opened our eyes and both of us had our heads on our chest fast asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Things have changed.
0: Definitely. But
1: yeah, I think that's a really beautiful way to heal is to not necessarily try to consciously do it. Just experience yourself beyond the healing, beyond the hurt.
0: Remember that you are worthy. Yeah. That you are amazing. That there's nothing wrong with you.
1: And that brings us to the end of the show.
0: (laughs) Really hope that you guys loved this episode as much as we did. We love doing them for you, and we will do more. Don't you worry about that.
1: Thank you for being here, guys.
0: We love you. we got to go get baby girl now. Lots of love. Peace. Mwah. I love having Nick on the show. It is so much fun. And we could truly really talk for hours and hours and hours if we didn't have a little tiny human to attend to. So I hope you got a lot out of this show. And please keep sending me your questions. And we will keep doing more episodes like this together. And if you loved today's conversation and you got a lot out of it, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will pop up in your feed like magic so you don't have to go searching for any new episode. And please come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode. What you got from this episode. I absolutely love hearing from you. And connecting with you. So please come and connect with me on Instagram. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.